Hey everybody, this is Kenny Myers with me. Um, we arranged this, scheduled this, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago, maybe even more than that. Um, and uh, Kenny, uh, say hi to all the people out there. Hey, how's it going, people? So Kenny's a pro. He does podcasts and stuff all the time, and I'm just <laughs> I'm just a bonehead amateur. Um, a pro. But, um, but this is this is my little podcast thing. If anybody's been listening, you know that this is my little trick, my little way to get some questions answered that I've had. Um, and I get really smart people to talk to me by way of, hey, you're on a podcast and you can um, advertise yourself to the world. And, and everyone was busy because it's summer, so you're talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry. Everyone's busy. <laughs> sorry, so I guess Kenny. Uh, he'll go on anything and keep talking. <laughs> so um, this is sort of a business-oriented thing, and um, I ask business questions. One thing I ask everybody, and I actually had my, um, don't feel bad, Kenny, but I had my cousin on last week. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a he's a plumbing contractor in Oklahoma. He runs a pretty successful business out there, and so we talked about the differences between sort of straight ahead construction contracting and you know the, the wild west of the internet. Why would uh, I feel bad about that? Yeah, I don't know. You just um, it just depends on where you are in the pecking order. Oh well, I mean, as long as I don't have to fi- follow Matt Weinberg, I'm fine. <laughs> no, he's gonna. This guy's gonna follow you because this is. I'm preempting. Um, his thing for for you because there was so much drama recently this past weekend in the expression engine community. <laughs> Even so though you're who best who best to come to? Yeah, I mean you're, you're one of the <laughs> then the, the local town douchebag. Now you've I mean you've definitely moved way beyond the the community and um, I mean certainly you and I uh, had a number of um, you know good lunches and visits while you were at Facebook over in Menlo Park mm-hmm. and you're at Adobe now and you're up in Seattle. Yeah, um, I think you were working for Facebook in Seattle for a while, but then you moved to Adobe. That's uh, right. So I, I'm really fascinated with a, a lot of the history of you since uh, EECI in San Francisco, which which is where I first uh, came across you and met you. You were doing uh, MC for for that whole mm-hmm. program. Yeah. Um, so let's work backwards. What are you doing at Adobe? I work on the Creative Cloud, um, the file application, essentially. Um, they're trying to build sort of a, uh, well, they, they built, I mean, it's, it's pretty much, but we're adding new features and such, um, a sort of a central file store for sharing all the, um, Adobe files and applications. And, uh, it's just kind of getting started and it's a really good team. So I'm, uh, pretty excited to work, work there actually. It's actually, I mean, I, I tell them this all the time and they're kind of like, what, what does that even mean? But, uh, but I, I'm surprised how much I really enjoy it, actually. I've uh, been hearing a lot of good things about the, I don't know if I should call it the new Adobe or, or something like that, but there's been a number of shifts and, as I understand it, shifts in management and shifts in strategy and stuff. What you say you're working on, I mean, it sounds perfect for the way my team is set up. I mean, every, everybody's virtualized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we cover every major time zone, in, at least in the U.S., and, um, you know, the more we can do uh, virtually in the cloud, the more that we have tools that facilitate that, the better off we are. This sounds like a pretty good product. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about all, essentially, Adobe's moving to a subscription-based model, and then uh, with that, that kind of gives you, I mean, unless it's a failure, it gives you a lot of flexibility because you sort of have, uh, not guaranteed, but at least recurring income instead of just one-time income. So you kind of get, actually, I think, get a little more flexibility. I just started in May, so I didn't really have to lay the land. All I know is that um, 
you know, the team that I work on gets to release things pretty quickly and we get to work on new features and it's pretty much all JavaScript. So it's been really fun. Um, I've been doing a lot of JavaScript stuff lately too and I'm I'm actually really uh, surprised at the staying power of JavaScript. I mean, it, it, it's been around forever and it's been strong for a long time. It was dead though. It was almost dead, like in the early aughts. <laughs> in the early aughts, no one wanted to touch JavaScript because it was just a giant uh, piece of shit. Well, but it? it was only a giant piece of shit because nobody knew how to use it. And then I think like Gmail and came out and really everyone was like, oh, oh. Yeah, I was reading an article that, the article that was arguing that Gmail was, uh, you know, kind of a critical turning point for this whole Ajax. Definitely. You know, Desktopy web application. When when do you think I don't know if you've tracked it, but when does the prototype and uh, jQuery come out? I remember hearing about those in two thousand eight. Oh. I think is when they started to gain traction. I think it was two thousand seven. Prototype came out earlier, and it yeah. was kind of tied to the Rails framework. Um, but jQuery came afterwards and just blew kind of prototype out the door. Yeah, for sure. I remember um, that very mostly vividly. mostly because it was like one didn't mess with your. JavaScript, like native stuff, uh, it was it was interesting. Um, but I didn't really get into JavaScript until jQuery had well established itself. Hmm. Well, How do you like it? How do you uh, like building a, a front end? I assume you're going in sort of like a one page application kind of deal, like we're using Backbone or some. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm working on something that is. Um, I'm not too obsessed with whether it's one pager or not. I, I like Got an it. occasional refresh. Um, yeah, I think you can, I think you can find a nice little balance between those two worlds. Absolutely. Um, but th this is actually a recommendation you made to me. We were on a chat one time, and I was describing this thing I was working on. You said, "Oh, so you must be using Backbone." And I said, "What's that?" And um, and yeah, so I'm rebuilding this thing, and I'm actually using something called CanJS. Yeah. Um, I never heard of it until you pointed pointed it out to me. It, it showed up in an article that was comparing a lot of these JavaScript MVC frameworks. Yeah, and it was one that was said to be the easiest to learn, and um, it was one of the um, one of the least known. I don't know. I was intrigued by that. I was like, ah, let's try something that's kind of an outlier. Yeah, um, and it's been killer. But that, the thing is, I may love it because I love the JavaScript MVC framework concept. Yeah. But then again, I may end up loving it because it's just really sharp in and of itself. I won't know until I try the others. Well, JavaScript's so fun because it's instantly reactive. Like, more so than I think anything else. You, you don't have to tie too much together to make it the browser do something magical. Yeah. Um, and you're using Laravel for this, aren't you? Yeah, I'm doing Laravel. For the back end? Yeah, that's right. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fitting two MVCs together. and um, That's pretty common. Yeah, it, it feels... You know, when I did it, I said, all right, I get it now. I get why I don't necessarily need to think in terms of CMSs or platforms like that. Yeah. Um, I can actually accomplish a great deal doing this. It would be nice if there was another layer floating on top that had... And you're telling me all this, all these years about I should explore Django because there's you know, all these capabilities and libraries and there's a sort of a CP that comes ready to go. Right. Um, I need some sort of a layer to float on top of that to make new applications really fast to develop and deploy. So yeah. that's something I'll look around for. Yeah, and I, I think that um, all the hosting and deployment solutions have gotten so much better even in the past year. Just so significantly uh, easier to push something out on any platform of your choosing. Um, so I think 
eventually that won't be a problem, you know. Right now PHP is easy because you can kind of build it relatively quickly. Yeah. And that's still the case. It's still the quickest um, to get out there. But once you, you know, build on a system that you know, you can quickly make Django apps or Rails apps and um, all the neat stuff that comes with it. When um, we're working backwards in your career, but let's let's just kind of stay on this thread. It's interesting. When do you, uh, in your projects and in your work, when do you make a decision between, all right, I actually need a CMS platform versus uh, I'm going to be fine just fitting a couple of frameworks together? Um, what's what's the what's the tipping point for you? Depends on the client. Uh, for me, obviously, I just like throwing my own thing together because I'm a programmer and we're all narcissists uh, who think we can build things that we can't. We can't build them all. We can't build them as effectively as, like, uh, you know, Brandon and Pixel and Tonic or Atlas Lab. Like, you think you can build a CMS, but you really can't. Yeah. Um, so I try to throw my stuff together for myself just because I find that really fun. For uh, clients who try to go with, CMSs generally, if they're not looking for a full-blown web application. And I think the difference between, um, I can't really clarify the difference between a web application um, and like a CMS kind of application um, in terms of w what makes them different. Let me think, let me think about that. I think with like, uh, a lot of brochureware sites um, that a CMS is really nice. A lot of like agency sites, uh, it works really nicely. Blogs, um, things that don't have a lot of user-generated content, I found um, that are that are mostly created by people on the editorial side or just like the uh, people working at the the place versus an application um, like. Facebook or something where yeah. there's so much interactivity and, and user-generated content. I mean, a CMS would just, I think, slow you down a little bit. Yeah, some, there's some sort of tipping point where if you find yourself um, creating more than two or three forms that are going to post into the server, uh, at some point you're, say, you, you're realizing that the kind of information you're, you're asking from the, the user um, it, it's it's signaling that you need to be on a on a framework that you can um, adapt over time. I've got clients who we built you know initial applications for our initial sites for, and then we're still working on them three and four years later. And we need those things to be really adaptable and extensible. Yeah. Um, and I feel like piecing these frameworks together is going to be a lot more flexible, cheaper for the client, more fun for us over time than trying to glue everything together inside a CMS. I'm not totally convinced yet, but I feel like that's where my head is going. Yeah. Uh, you mean two or three forms unless they're using Freeform Pro. And yeah, well, they can yeah. create as many forms as they want. Freeform right? Pro is like... Yeah. You know, it's like, a, like a godsend. If you're asking for more than a contact form and more than a you know quick survey or a poll, if you're doing stuff like, you know, rate uh, and review this thing, rank this, uh, you know, um, add these people to your friends group, all that sort of stuff is more web appy. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm changing my mind about whether I need a, a CMS for all purposes or not, and which one that ought to be. I think the key is actually there's an initial upfront cost, but like to set up your tools, essentially, there's a there's a much larger, and it looks like a much larger 
uh, upfront cost. But it, when you begin to work on things, you notice patterns. And essentially, once you build out that pattern set, um, using a framework, I think, over time, you know, kind of looks like... Uh, I actually only know how to describe things in terms of bell curves, but it looks like a very sharp, like, bell curve. Like, once, you, once you've... Once you've uh, uh, set everything up, you can just keep reproducing. I mean, the same thing can be said for CMSs, obviously. Once you know your tool set, you can throw things together really quickly. Um, but I think the flexibility and the ability to update, uh, especially with frameworks, which tend to move a lot quicker and with your own custom stuff, is always really nice just for programmer uh, joy, actually. I think programmer joy has a really big effect on... Uh, well, certainly it has an effect on what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we can say it jokingly, but it's a really critical part of the decision process. Um, you know, anytime we're going to serve a client, and I intend to have a team on a on a client job for more than, you know, nine months, you know, their happiness with their work, uh, it's it's paramount. Right, uh, and you know, you got to use tools that are either new and interesting, and you're willing to take that risk, and I think, or you got to, you know. Autonomy is a big part of that, I think, as well. How do you mean? Uh, programmer autonomy. I th well, autonomy in general, uh, I've found, is one of the bigger... Um, the, the ability to make decisions about features and stuff and come up with designs affect the product. That's important. Hmm. Do you not think that's important? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I didn't know that's what you meant by autonomy. Yeah. Um, speaking of autonomous with respect to frameworks and technology and those choices. Um, I was asking you earlier this week, internally at Facebook and Adobe, are there, are there frameworks being developed internally that, um, that are, you said there's a lot of stuff that's being open sourced by those types of large yeah. companies, but internally, surely they have some internal tools, some internal, uh, you know, language and protocols that you've got to learn once you come on board and that are not valid once you leave. Is that the case? Yeah, um, that it's very much the case at, at Facebook. Um, Facebook has a huge performance, uh, huge performance like debt. I don't know. For lack of a better word, they have to. It has to be very performant, and so that means they have to do some very sort of obtuse things in the code base. And they do have frameworks and tools, uh, but they essentially have to optimize and optimize until the. Uh, different tool sets or frameworks uh, work well for the stack that they have, and it's all custom. Even their own PHP is not the PHP that we all use. It's like a custom compiled C++ binary, uh, which when last I was there was somewhere along, around like 1.6 gigabytes. Um, it's huge. Wow. Um, and actually part of why I left Facebook was it's not that things didn't apply. There was some really interesting stuff to learn there. And I think in a broader sense, um, understanding how these systems work with each other and how to build systems like this was incredibly educational. But I kind of miss just building things with, you know, Django, like little apps. And, and um, Adobe, I work in Node.js and Express uh, and Backbone. So they're kind of adopting... Uh, newer stuff for all the web stuff, as far as I know. Um, not not like the new shiny stuff. Um, and I think the app used to run on uh, a custom Ruby rack application, which is like their server interface. 
and now it's uh, now it's running on Node.js, which is you know the new kid in school. Yeah, but a really smart kid. Yeah, it's actually really, really, really interesting. I've 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 very much enjoyed it, as I said before. Um, but that's that's all boring programmer stuff. I keep bringing that up in this business podcast. I feel like I'm breaking the rules. <laughs> I don't know. It's mine, so uh, you know. I that's true. We could talk about anything. It is business. I, I mean, it is business though, because we're talking about making choices. And yeah. You still work for clients. I mean, even though you you got a, a well-paying uh, day job, you still do client work. Um, I think it, because it energizes you. But these are choices that you're making with and for clients. So it's very much a business consideration. Yeah. Um, so, all right, so Adobe. Now Facebook, what were you doing there? Uh, I worked as what's called a user interface engineer, which is a front-end engineer at Facebook. But front-end for them also includes PHP. I worked for two different teams. One was the marketing team and one was the content strategy team. They were both uh, different beasts. The content strategy team was one of the one of the best teams I've ever worked on. Just really smart people. The marketing team, my particular team, was great, but the the culture was very different from what I was used to. Uh, as far as the technology I worked on, I worked on everything from splash pages to little UI components to content changes across the site. So um, I would say the work was okay. It wasn't very interesting. Um, I really liked working at Facebook. It's a really great company, and it's not that there's not interesting work there. It's just I wasn't in charge of doing the interesting work. Hmm. Yeah. Well, how did you how did you get the job at Facebook, and how did you get the one at Adobe? Uh, through people I know. Like yeah. I get most of everything. It's yeah. a very uh, it's very nice it's a very nice world in that regard. Uh, I hope karma comes and blesses these people. <laughs> uh, or I can at least buy them a beer at some point. But yeah, I, I think that's the key at the level of business I'm at is, you know, they say it's about relationships and it is, it, it is about relationships. Um, I'm pickier in my relationships because, uh, I, so why I do freelance and work at Adobe? I mean, I could just work at Adobe, but I find that working on side problems is really interesting. Uh, but I only work with with people or that I really like working with. I, I have that luxury, and it's it's very nice. And that's actually kind of panned out for me pretty well. I've been very very lucky and very very fortunate to meet nice people, and I've tried to stay in touch with them. Um, not to generate business, but uh, it's always nice when it happens. Well, there's a momentum to that. Um, there's, um, I mean, I, I feel the same way about my group of clients, and there's a certain momentum built into that. We, we try to consistently work for people that we really enjoy and like and respect and who um, challenge us in the ways that are uh, really positive uh, for our uh, just well-being overall. Yeah. And, you know, a, a good client begets another good client. And there's a momentum to that. As long as you keep that momentum going and you keep making um, good, strong, positive choices, you you can sort of keep that going for a long time. It's actually one of the reasons that I it occurred to me to ask you to come and talk to me because um, it was probably the very first podcast I did with Weinberg where we I was asking him, how do you generate new work? And he was uh, sort of a slap on the wrist, like, what do you mean? There's not a switch that you flip. I mean, it's the structure of your organization that generates your work, and it's something that's a long-term deal. 
and it's very much uh, a question of networking and establishing relationships and maintaining them and building them. And that made me think of you, and it made me think of how you um, you know so many people, but no one really thinks of you necessarily as a networker. They just think of you as Kenny. But huh. the fact is, you know, you, you get all these really great gigs, um, and it's and it's something to do with how you cultivate your relationships. So I was interested to hear you talk about it a little bit. Um, how, what were you doing before um, Facebook? Before Facebook, I was a freelancer. And before that, I worked at a company called Verb. And then before that, Blue Flavor. And then before that, I emerged from the, the pool, the cesspool <laughs> that I was born from to program. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think, to Matt's sort of point, I don't think there's really any one way to do uh, anything. I mean, it, it, it's shitty because... You want to be like, well, if you do this, you get this. And relationships certainly are a way to do that. And so is advertising, like, which is, which is not really a relationship at all. Um, it, and it works for some people. It doesn't work for all people. Uh, but in, 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 in terms of, like, meeting people, uh, I just find people very fascinating. Um, not That doesn't mean I always like them. It just means that they're they're always pretty interesting. I like human drama. I like uh, I just look for qualities of people I like, and uh, it's hard to describe those uh, people who are generally not very high maintenance. I guess would be it. Um, and then that tends to reward me, and I have. I have very little idea why, but I think it's really great, and I hope it continues. Um, because I, I mean, I, I and I try to stay, and I and I remember, I remember everyone who has helped me out at a certain point. I, I mean, I can name them for you, um, because I like to to keep that just so that if something ever happens to them, I can just like rush in and be like, okay, okay, it's my turn. Yeah, uh, you son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of the sort of base of how I apply these relationships to and then it turns into income for some reason because they're like hey we want to work with you and I'm like okay yeah I will take your money is this um I don't know there was a time when I thought this you know this sort of mentality where you could um uh cultivate really um positive and healthy um relationships with other people in your work and center your career around that was something that you needed the freedom of the internet to be able to do but I'm not sure if that's true anymore um, people have heard me say that I started soul space as an experiment to see and this was coming out of the the first dot-com boom and bust yeah it was an experiment to see if you could actually tell clients the truth and still make money because I was working for a company just lying all the time to everybody yeah um, so I just wanted to know is that really how it is because is I was fresh out of college is really is the business world all about just lying and not getting caught um, <laughs> what did you find out and I found out that that's just stupid I mean the, the the successful businesses over the long term are honest high on integrity um, human centered family centered organizations um, and I just felt stupid that I even thought that an experiment was necessary <laughs> to, to sort that out Right, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know why I thought this was 
something particular to the internet. I, I, I guess I was of the mindset that everything important is happening on the web, and that's not, not really true. It's just silly. Uh, no, I mean, there's a lot of important things happening on the web, but there's a lot of important things happening elsewhere. I mean, it's just so, it's, one of the, the one of the, the things that uh, has kind of driven me these, these past few years um, is that in the previous, like, when I started out, everything was so new, and I was just, I held everyone to these ideals, like, you know, people who were figureheads or people who had written things. I was like, oh, you must be this, this, and you're so smart. And, uh, you know, if I if I embrace, then I will be rewarded with the joy of your knowledge and, and presence. And what I soon discovered is that uh, they're people, they're human beings, and that was disappointing. It always is disappointing. Um, and then when you see that sort of... Uh, weaponized, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like, when you see them turn against someone or, like, you know, a public sort of uh, thing, it's it's always just kind of fascinating uh, to me how they can get away with it and still be seen as, as figureheads. Yeah. You know? I, I, uh, you were talking about the internet and how you thought that a business to, to stay long-term had to have certain moral characteristics and of course I should probably start talking to you about lecturing people about ethics uh, because it's not it's not a good it's not a good hole to get down into there are businesses that are terrible to people that do uh, significantly better uh, than some businesses that are wonderful to people mm -hmm. and it's so I've, I've, I struggle I struggle a lot with this ambigu ambiguity um, and this is what kind of drives me to not want to part Participate, which is kind of what what's happened over the past few years. The expression engine community is a really good example of something that keeps pulling me back in because the people are just so cool, man. They're just like they're just just wonderful people, and uh, they're from around the world. And it's and it, I feel I feel like the keys. Uh, to the kingdom, essentially, were handed to the court gesture in regards to the uh, expression engine community. In that, it's just like the the people deserve better than what they're getting. <laughs> I'm just rambling now. I, why fun. didn't you? Why haven't you stopped me? I, I, you know, you're you're in juicy territory. That one of the things you made me think of was. Um, Let's see, it's 2013 now. In 2012, I was really, really down and negative about um, the, the product and the company behind it. And, mm -hmm. you know, at some point in there, um, in the depths of that, I, I was just looking hard at the community itself. I think, you know, it was about the time that um, the, the Stack Exchange movement was going on. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is nonsense. This community is practically bulletproof. Yeah. Uh, there's almost nothing you can do to this community to break them up. And it's like these people all love each other so much that it's just it just happens to be the case that we're rallying around this one product that we all use. Um, it would be nice if it was something something else that was less... like a, like an actual cause, <laughs> like a cause, or <laughs> yeah, like something know. worthwhile, I mean, or <laughs> greenhouse gases or something. I don't know, man, but. Well, you know, there's a, I forget what it's called, at Sayers Lot, I think it is, uh, this professor, it's uh, it's unclear whether it's attributed to him. He was asked, 
why are the politics in academia, academia so vicious? And his response was, because the stakes are so low, you know? <laughs> and that's pretty much what I apply to most of the things going on in, on the internet. It's like, a, it's like a big cartoon. You know, the stakes are so low. They are just so low. And, you know, and while I revel in, in a little bit of chaos, because I like that, it's, it's, um, it's just not, it's, it's just funny to me. It's all funny to me. Well, there was, in this past weekend, there was so much drama about. But it wasn't drama. It was just people tweeting. Well, I mean, well, it was just, I mean, and it, it, you know, you can only, you can only like assume so much about what's going through a person's head. And you can, I mean, it seems dramatic, but in reality, it's going to pass in like two weeks and well, someone will bring I, it's it up. Almost, judging by Twitter, it's, it's more or less mostly past. Yeah. Um, you know, with the intention span that we have for this sort of stuff. My, my complaint is that, um, you know, we got a friend of ours who's being targeted and it's actually going to affect um, uh, a family man, you know, someone who's supporting a, a young child and... You yeah, know, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I just... I'm going to cut you off right there. I don't think having a kid, those are, those are things you opt into. I mean, and, and, I, I, and I don't mean this as a slight on Brandon or anyone. I mean, there's kids everywhere. Every, everybody has kids. You have kids mm -hmm. and everybody has animals and, and people have responsibilities. But uh, those, are, those are things you generally opt into. And I mean, you can't really use them as like a, well, you, they're trying to ruin your business because they, it's just another choice that you made. It's not like something that was forced upon you. Um, and this isn't to say that, that it sucks that that would happen. If it does happen, I don't think it's really going to happen to Brandon. Um, uh, it wouldn't be terrible, but I don't think that's the case. I mean, craft is, is an excellent product and um, excellent products over time. Uh, it takes a while to catch on, but, They'll he'll he'll get it'll get even bigger. Well, you, because it's really it's really nice. It's really nice. Always, CMS. You can always trust in quality. Um, you yeah. Can, you can always put faith in in quality. And if you don't know what else to do, uh, invest in, in in shoring up the quality of your product or your service, and that will yeah. always pay dividends. That's true. Um, I didn't want to shit on people who had kids. I just I just think that it's it's it kind of. Uh, you're kind of making a, a like a, a story up that doesn't exist. Well, maybe it's maybe it's got a particular reality for me. Right, I because you have you kids, wanna, you have that responsibility, and you know what it is. If it, you want to go after Brandon, and you want to you want to kill Kraft, kill right. Kraft because your product is better. Don't go after his his current revenue stream to try to cut his legs out from under him, so Kraft can't ever get off the ground. That's my complaint, and it's not just that Brandon's you know, working in a garage somewhere or in some parent's basement. You know, mm -hmm. he's a family man who's trying to support a family. And you're going after that group. You're going after not just him. So that's my criticism. I think it's low. I think it's a very low um, bar that's a new one that's been set. Well, I don't think they're going after Brandon's family. I mean, they're just going after the competition. You know, they did, I, I mean, to, 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 to their credit... They started a conversation about Kraft's license that didn't exist before. They, I mean, yeah, that's true. as far as like a blog post goes, like that's a good way to like use negative 
talk to change the subject about something. And they, they've brought enough that people are kind of buying into it. And it's always fascinating to see that kind of stuff go on. Um, but I mean, I don't, I guess I don't feel that craft is being threatened because I feel that as far as the quality of products go, even Brandon's add-ons, like he'll see, he'll probably see a decline in matrix, but it's, it's a much better quality, um, piece of software. Well, I guess I can't speak to that cause I haven't seen grid. Um, but I've seen other stuff that they've done and I've always found the, like, I think the relationship field. Um, I feel like the quality of Brandon's UI interaction is is top notch, and it's hard for them to beat it right now. And I think that will. I I I hope that will win out. Um, but it's really interesting in the expression engine community. It's done so well to support all these commercial add-ons, but the minute you add fifty bucks to anything, people go fucking crazy. And it's just <laughs> like I maybe it's because I'm just uh, and fifty bucks. I mean, I feel like if if a client's making a hub of over fifty bucks, you're probably getting ripped off on all the work you're doing. Yeah, you got the wrong client. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, and I, and if you're starting starting out, I mean, that's a different story. Um, but if you're, you know, is this a, if this is year ten and fifty bucks can make the difference uh, between whether a client goes with your decision or not, that's that's crappy. And I hope no one gets put in that position. I can certainly see, you know, uh, for example, if you have a family you have to take care of where you got to take whatever you need to get get by, that happening. Um, but I do believe quality wins out over time. Yeah, that's... I think I think if, if they want to push Brandon out, uh, that would be unfortunate because he's contributed a lot of quality work, including the basis for probably Expression Engine 2's success which is field frame yeah uh, i mean he's he was a big part of that but you know that's that's how, how business goes um i think derek's done a good job of at least focusing ls lab i don't i mean i clearly don't agree with all the decisions he made or how that blog post was written um but he's doing a better job of churning out things he's i mean and and that's recognizable. I mean, it's it's. I I'd prefer not to use it as a as a platform, and I feel like they treat the community like shit, and the community treats them really really well. Um, but at least they're focused now. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know where uh, to draw the line there. Well, I one, mean, you have more. One good way to one good way to motivate and and glue a team together is to have a common enemy. And if right. if Pixel and Tonic is the current common enemy, then that mm -hmm. team is really glued together and tight now. Where yeah. it probably was not over the course of however much time. So there's you know if that's a management tactic that's savvy. It's cheap, but it's savvy potentially. Right. Um, you know, there's another thing I want to ask you about that you've probably given some thought to, and that is, um, you know, we're talking about on Twitter at least. We're talking about a very small but very loud community who complains about um, how Ellis Lab runs Expression Engine. Mm -hmm. And I didn't used to participate in that group, um, but but I definitely opted into it pretty much after they started, uh, after they, you know, sued Nevin. That was enough for me. Uh -huh. um, after that point, th that really was under my skin, and I turned a corner. But that really small vocal minority is a minority. 
and there's a much larger majority of people who continue to buy the product and don't really participate at all in that uh, criticism and that dialogue. And I know for myself running Soul Space that there are a small number of people who hate on us when we do something stupid or make a a bad UI choice or don't fix a bug quickly. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But there's a lot of people who are perfectly happy. And right. we know they're happy because the money keeps coming in and they purchase over and over again. They don't ever say anything. They don't ever complain. Yeah. So there's something going on where Expression Engine, uh, you know, in some ways it seems to be fine. Probably we're seeing some flat sales or maybe some declining sales, but there's still sales. I mean, have you given some thought to that? Like... What does a larger organization like an Adobe or a Facebook do with that phenomenon, knowing that there's trolls who are loud, but then people who are actually paying for the product who are quiet? Well, I mean, those are big ships, and um, Adobe and Facebook, and big ships take a while to turn around. Facebook was particularly fascinating, but they do a really good job of sort of building an internal culture that is uh, loyal. It's 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 actually... It was, I mean, at, at a certain point, you, you begin to understand the motivations of why product decisions were made, um, what, you know, business constraints are on there, or even legal or, or government constraints. And so you start to build empathy for why a product is a certain way, or why we had to make this decision, um, even though it might not have been the right one uh, over time. And uh, that's, that was one of the big lessons I learned at these places. Uh, Adobe, I think I'm. It's still I'm still too new there. I can't really give you a gauge on the culture, but I can tell you that we work with really great tools, and it, and I and it's a really great place to work. Um, but it, and Facebook, I think they just did a really good job. I, there were so many Facebook haters, and I and I, uh, it was hard at first because you want to yell at them. Well, we're you know people too. Uh, there are people who work here. We're not just some megalith like, like, corporation with curtains that makes decisions. But I mean, it appears that way. Um, and uh, I think it made it made me it made me have more empathy for for product decisions, tough product decisions, which exist a lot. And it made me have less empathy for. Um, people complaining on the internet, which, you know, I'm one of them. So, uh, I guess it was the culture. It kind of, it, I mean, us versus them was, was mm, Facebook wasn't really us versus them because everyone used Facebook. So it would be like us versus our mom. But it, it was always disappointed when like one of those, Facebook is killing your pet and renaming your mom like <laughs> memes would show up and then you'd be like well i mean no that's not true um and another interesting aspect actually was everyone could commit to code who was an engineer so that means everyone could push out changes to any of the products and that was a lot of freedom and i think that that was greatly valued and still is greatly valued at facebook um and occasionally led to bugs in our product which gets gets publicized um, because you're dealing with really sensitive stuff. There's a lot of really good protections in there, but uh, it, it was always like, I mean, do we build a, a fortress that's inflexible that nobody wants to work on, or, or do we try to find a balance? So, um, so I, I mean, I think culture 
uh, has a huge effect on uh, how those places turn around. Adobe feels like it's turned around, but again, I've only been there for two months. Um, and Facebook was tough in that regard because there there were constant issues. People people don't like Facebook. I don't know if you know this, especially in the states, especially on the internet. Um, <laughs> they they just don't like Facebook, and it, it was you know uh, it was great. It built uh, built calluses essentially to that kind of stuff, uh, and then you have to learn how to listen to what they're actually saying, which is the hardest part. Yeah. Like if you're defensive um, or you haven't helped, then you're missing out on an opportunity to really do something spectacular. That was what I kind of learned from Facebook. What do you, um, what do you want to do next? I mean, um, nothing. You, you want to retire. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> well, I have my uh, gaming podcast, which I really love doing. Um, it's been like almost three years. It's been inconsistent, but we're trying to ramp it up, actually. Uh, I really love that. If that could turn into a money-making thing, I mean, that, that's such a ridiculous thing to make money off of. <laughs> that I would, I would be a huge fan of it. I would be an absolute huge fan of that. Um, I don't know. I uh, I thought about writing books and stuff about, like, tech books. Um, I don't really have a, a vision for where I'm going. Um, I enjoy programming a lot. I don't... I, I mean, I, I feel like I have 10 years if I'm going to stay. Like, you, you, programming has such a limited lifespan. I mean, it's great, and it's great money, but it, it dies if you don't build the right relationships or start your own business. Like, you turn... A certain age, and then all these biases kick in, which are terrible. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I mean, they're not as terrible as all the other biases that like minorities have to face. You know, it's not that it's not that that awful, um, but it's 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 still like you kind of have a limited span to get your shit together, or you got to go do something else. My dad's a programmer. He has he's had a hard time finding a job because he's older, but he's fucking experienced as hell. Um, he is employed. It's just one of the sadder aspects of our fun little industry of the internet, which you thought was the only place that would save us all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about this, this one a lot. Um, I mean, uh, I'll be 41 pretty soon and that's not old, but it, I mean, you know, you, you show up on the face, beautiful, you show up on the Facebook campus and you're, you know, you're you're 40, and you better be in the marketing department or on the executive team, or I don't know who's old over there anyway. There's a couple of people, uh, pro like uh, product managers. Uh, the business side, the business side. It's funny to talk about it that way when it's all a business, but um, the sort of I guess what I would call Cheryl's part of the org, Cheryl Sandberg. Yeah. Um, she, her, she owns this this entire side. That tends to be older. Um, but the engineering side is very young, very young. Uh, the average age when I left was 27, I think. Yeah. And it's even younger at other places. So, well, these kids were so young that they are the kind of young where 
if you're old enough, you can't tell the difference between someone who's 15 and 25. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that's how young this, this crew was. And they were yeah. the kind of young who um, they've probably been coding most of their breathing life. Mm-hmm. And you can tell there's just not a lot of world experience packed into these people. And I'm not, I'm not dissing them at all. I'm just saying that you're right. You're not going to start telling them to go to college, are you, Mitchell? No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave all that alone. <laughs> Kyle's probably right about that as I look back. I mean, I'm still paying my freaking student loans, so he's got that part right. Oh, no. Well, I mean, the, I don't think life experience is something that, I mean, obviously age has, age will dictate some experience. Uh, you can't get to a certain point without uh, interacting with the world, but... I don't know if that dictates what kind of person you are. Like, uh, like, does your experience give you wisdom? Uh, you're a very wise man, but what is your wisdom that you provide for people? What I mean, I know what your wisdom is, and I enjoy it greatly, but, I mean, is it from your experience? Like, did you just read a book once? Like, how do you determine that for a given individual? We're getting very existential here. Oh, that's fine. So. <laughs> I usually go here. Um, and I, I just think that... Uh, you can't really uh, dictate who someone is based on whether or not they've been to Peru, you know? Yeah. But yeah. they were very young, to the point. And that does make, uh, that made me feel uh, okay, because I wasn't, I'm not too far away from their age group, but they were, they were smart, and they're smart as hell, and a lot of them smarter than me uh, in terms of what we were trying to do. And uh, that's that's always kind of a tough question. I don't know what it's like being 41 and doing it, but um, I mean, the industry, from all my readings and even from my personal experience, uh, spits people out at a certain age. Yeah, Just, it spits it them sucks. out. That's right. Yeah. That's what I've seen. But you're you're actually somewhat in the clear because you're a business owner. I mean, not saying that that's an easy way out in any regard, but uh, you have established what is essentially the way to be a programmer um, without having to deal with ageism, which is to have your own company. That's one of them. Well, this one, fortunately for me, I've found that I'm at my best when I'm, um, when I'm fitting people together, yeah. establishing teams. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, don't ask me to do any CSS for you. Don't ask me to do right. real JavaScript. But you're building an app. I mean, that's yeah. But it's it's a joke. I mean, no one's really going to use it. But um, there's no there's no what so so you're not building you know uh, a scientific mathematical calculator <laughs> that can solve world problems. You're not building the Earth. The answer isn't forty two. Like I mean, if it goes anywhere, it's going to be handed over to Greg to fix it and make it a real right. viable product. So all I'm saying is, um, I fit people together and. I don't know, somehow separate the good ideas from the bad ideas, keep things on track, um, make sure that people are cared for. That's really the thing. Protect yeah. the team. I'm on record as saying that that's a critical thing. Right. So, yeah, if if I continue to cultivate that capability, I can do that until whatever, until I run out of money. Um, sure. Until people just refuse to work for me anymore. And that's, you can be really old and do that. Right. Um, the problem is I really love coding so i don't know if anybody's going to hire me to do the thing i love after a certain point and but you can disguise it i mean it's not lying to them yeah i mean because 
you're saying we're going to build this for you, and then you're like, well, I'm going to help build this. <laughs> and they don't. I mean, they don't have to know that. Clients really shouldn't give a shit about the implementation. They just should. You should. They should have the solution. So I'll send all the twenty-year-olds to the meeting in the conferences. Yeah, you could you could just hire a twenty year old, pay a minimum wage to go to the meetings. I'm tempted, I'm yeah. tempted sometimes to hire a new CEO who's twenty, <laughs> just to show up yeah, just with to a get sports more jacket and be like, "Listen, we're gonna social media the shit out of yeah. your site." <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's one strategy, and you could still program. But I, either way, you took one of the two ways you can continue programming, which is to start your own business or do something else and. I mean, uh, you're kind of in both categories because you started your own business and you like doing the other things that uh, the ageism doesn't kick in on. Well, when when you and I had our first lunch together, um, I I said it was it was like it was just yesterday. Just yesterday, and the, it was such a nice spring day. Um, Indeed, y- yummy Indian food in Palo Alto, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked you the same question. I said, "What are you going to do?" And at that time, you said, I, I think I'd like to run my own shop one day. Yeah. Um, is that is that gone? or? Absolutely. Why? Because after working at uh, large companies I and kind of seeing what shops were and seeing the patterns of shops, um, of especially client services shops, app, companies that build applications is maybe still in the, the gray area. Uh, I just see a lot of patterns that, uh, to be to be honest, and it, it's like nobody gets paid that well. Um, the hours are long. The expectation is that the hours are longer. There's a high regard for like, you know, we're the little guy, but on the same hand, the big guys seem to actually take better care of their employees, in my opinion. Uh, there's there's a focus, and then the the counter argument is usually autonomy oh you know you get to make a lot of decisions and stuff but i've i've discovered that that autonomy exists uh where you find it um in the in the the larger corporate world uh and i just think that (laughs) people who work for uh client services i just i i would have to i i don't think i could generate the kind of income for the way i'd like to treat people who work for me and I'm not interested in it. I'm actually, I actually think I'm actually pretty terrible at managing people. I don't think I'd be very good at it. When I've tried, I haven't, I haven't done very well. I sleep a little bit later than most people and that never works out. So, and I came to this realization um, that if, I mean, I'm going to do something, it, it, it will be small and probably not um, client services related. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a lot, and that kind of touched on your your business. Your uh, employees love you, though, or at least that's what they say. They're still employed by you, um, but I, I find that dynamic interesting because Greg's a good example. I'm just going to use him. Un- unfortunately, um, how do you deal with the fact that Greg could actually go and work remotely for a company that that may or may not. Uh, well, I shouldn't go down your part. I don't know what your benefits list. I don't know what the benefits uh, uh, of working at SoulSpace other than spending time with Mitchell, uh, <laughs> which I consider a significant benefit. Uh, what they are, but I mean, right now, programmers in such demand, like in such high demand, he can uh, he can 
probably go work almost anywhere. And and I assume, and I apologize if this is offensive, get paid significantly more money. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it's absolutely true, and that's. I don't. True. I don't know his income. I mean, I. I and I'm not inferring that I do. I just. Uh, I just have worked in, the, in that setting, and I know where the the roof generally is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, what you're saying is probably true of pretty much everybody on the team. Um, it's appropriate to single out someone like Greg because he, you know, he's he's got that lead developer set of skills. Right. Um, and he's got the 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 people. Um, that charming uh, smile. People power. Uh, right. You know, people ability to 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 merge those two worlds together and. Um, so how do you keep them? Get stuff built. Um, you know, there. Tomorrow he could say, "I'm gone." Yeah. Or the next day, um, and. Um, I want for him what I want for my clients and everybody on the team. I, I just want him to be happy. Yeah. Um, I really want him to be a, like a full and completely happy person. And if that means he's got a split, then I say do it tomorrow. Do it as yeah. fast as you can. Get to that place where you just feel really happy. And you, you know, you've, you've created the life for yourself that uh, fulfills you in a long-term sense. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't have any sort of formula. I'm just really lucky that by way of charity, these people on my team are continuing to work with me. Um, the pay is not great. There are no freaking benefits at all. No health, you know, there's nothing. Um, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, everybody's a contractor. It's a client services company. There's no reason for these people to stay. It's got nothing to do with me, really. If they stick around, it's because they like each other. Like I See, said a minute ago, that's I, just wrong. Don't 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 go down this no, road. No, it's true. I I'll, I'll take credit for assembling it, teams. It's that very people cute and humble, to. but I mean, I mean, people leave their managers. They don't leave their company. They leave the people who are in charge of them. People, they don't. They don't leave stay, the people. People stay on really good teams, even yeah. though there's a shitty manager. No, I did. I don't think so. I would say that even with a really great team, you do all get together. But if you if you don't have a really good leader, uh, and you don't have a really good culture, you're fucked. <laughs> like you're out. Like I, I I'm not trying to uh, kiss your ass even more than I already have. But uh, they probably stay because they just really like you, and you do a really good job with that. I most, mean, that's most kind of, of the people on the team from day to day don't hear from me at all. There's, well, that's probably why they really that's like really, you. Maybe that's the formula. There's, there's so little interaction. Um, that, I mean, there's like, here, here's your client. Here's the project. Um, let me know if there's any problems. We'll be checking in. Call me you if should you have ask them. problem. You should ask them. Uh, well, that's the autonomy thing, too. That's really important to smart people. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all. Yeah. You know, I've, I've uh, spoken to other people about this question, and I've said that, uh, and now other teams work differently, but mine... A big part of the salary on my team is that you're always going to get some juicy, difficult, fun problem, and the client's going to be super fun, very respectful and honoring of your uh, professional abilities and you, you as a person. If they're not that, that client's fired, and yeah. I'm protecting the team. Um, so, yeah, these, these guys get nice, juicy, fun problems over and over again, and it, it feeds that part of their professional life, I think. Um, but I stay out of the way as much as possible. Well, you're very easy to work with. Well, you know, we're not finished with the project we're working on. Let's wait until QA is over, and then you can, you know, pat me on the back afterwards. Right. Well, sure. <laughs> but as far as the process itself, uh, it's it's been very... 
uh, it's been great. Well, there's a, like I said, there's a momentum. Um, if you continue to make a good, healthy choice about the people you interact with, yeah. then all that stuff is going to sort it out for itself. The minute you let some, the minute you let the wrong influence in, mm-hmm. then stuff starts to smell bad pretty quickly. So there's just a momentum. If you if you stay in a healthy frame of mind, I yeah. think it, it sorts itself out. That's where you and I are with this sort of thing. Well, um, I think that's uh, to a broader point. What makes great companies? It really comes from, I mean, and great, you know, relative. Like not great, like they make millions of millions and billions of dollars, but places people like to work um, is the culture, and the culture always comes from the top. And in companies that I don't trust, or companies that uh, I don't think are doing a good job, the culture is usually pretty rotten. Like Zynga, Zynga is a really good example where obviously there was a cultural problem. You know, it just, and I mean, and that usually comes from the leadership. So clearly you fostered a a culture with the right people who want to stick with you, even though conditions, market conditions are like phenomenal for them right now. Um, So that's, I mean, that's a bonus for you. Uh, I think, for example, just picking a company out of the hat, Pixel and Tonic uh, is a really great company because Brandon... Uh, really knows what he wants to do. He really has a good focus uh, beyond almost anyone I've I've ever met. Uh, he just knows how to build things, and he knows how to uh, change his opinion on things. I guess in a in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I admire that about him. I admire uh, I admire I I don't know what the 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 culture is like at Pixel and Tonic though, but um, it seems like solid leadership and it uh, seems like you fostered the same thing. I know Matt Weinberg's company, they all love Matt, they all joke around with him. He's really, really good at uh, at building that, that kind of place. Um, of course, they wouldn't tell me if they didn't like Matt because I, I'm, I'm friends with him, yeah. but uh, they seem to actually really, really enjoy him. Um, even though New York right now is an incredible place to work and doing what they do and the salaries keep growing. I'm always really impressed by that. Um, but I wouldn't want to start my own because it's just so much fucking work. <laughs> like, it's so much easier to be a freelancer. You told me uh, when uh, at that lunch, you just like, uh, being a freelancer was just, it, it was across the board, like just better money, you know, better time, uh, more time really. Um, which I always thought was fascinating for you to say, because uh, then the next question is, well, then why are you, why are you starting, why are you doing Soul Space? So why are you doing Soul Space? Well, that that conversation was me asking you. You said I want to do shop, and I said, well, one of my very first clients, as I was getting started, asked me, what do you want to do? How big yeah. do you want to be? And I said, well, I I don't know. I'm enjoying seeing how far I can take this. That's just part of the payment for me, is to see what I'm capable of with respect to you know what kind of company I can build and he said well you know just be mindful of this thing you may find for a long time that you make more money for less pain and suffering um, under conditions of greater autonomy if you're just you um, yeah. so, so don't don't think that you're going to you know get rich by running a large team 
Right. You're probably going to make a lot less money for a long time until you reach a critical mass or pass a certain threshold. Um, I, you know, everybody on my team is family, so yeah, going backward would mean some family members have to go away. Yeah, um, and I would mean I don't get to play with my family every day, and that, that's <laughs> that's not that's not something I'm going to choose. That's not where I want to be. I just right. enjoy this this crew so much. Um, and after you reach a certain point, certainly you need to have some systems in place to run your organization to keep you from losing money and keep good business coming in, keep clients happy, keep costs under control. After a certain point, yeah, you can work less and make more. At some point, there is not a ceiling on top of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and in most cases, I've only increased our revenue when I've had to, like when there's some sort of a um, you know, with uh, the conversion from Expression Engine 1 to 2, I had to find yeah. some ways to generate a lot of dough just to get through that crisis period, and that was a long time. Yeah. And it was only when someone lit a fire under my butt that I actually um, grew our capabilities to get good jobs and keep the cost under control and make things profitable. Uh, you know, when I had kids, life got a lot more expensive. Um you know, I got a grad student for a wife. Life's really expensive. Only under those circumstances do I work really hard to find ways to make money for less work. Yeah. Um, now that means I'm not a very good business person because a good business person doesn't need that stimulus to to grow the company. Um, but nevertheless, I don't know. Some I, I get decent results, and you know, there's a happy family as a result. Well, going back to a theme, uh, I don't think. There's any one way to be a good business person. It's all kind of subjective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, how you are as a business person with me versus how you are a business person with, say, Ellis Lab. Like, there's two people who have now different perspectives on 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 you as a business person. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, and I, and that's again back to the even broader spectrum is like that's what I kind of struggle with ultimately though I think that empathy and love you have for your teammates for the people that you work with I just don't you don't care (laughs) I I, I mean I do care it's just (laughs) it's hard for me to have that when I need something from them Uh Um, and a lot of that comes down to control Uh, and uh, one of the reasons I I realized I probably wouldn't be good at uh, starting my own company is that I just didn't like having to be responsible for other people um, in terms of making sure they get having to be a responsible person to other people. It's very, it's very selfish. It's very self-centered. But I usually apply that energy of not being self-centered to things other than programming. So, um, that's why I ultimately decided that it just wouldn't be worth it. That plus what I talked about earlier, I just, the the benefits of starting client services, I just began to see that it felt like it would be potentially, you could provide more if you went into application work. And I think you were talking to uh, the guy who does Dev Demon about how he's, yeah, he, su- he pretty much supplements his business uh, mostly with add-on stuff, and you have add-on stuff too, and that's kind of like app work, although you don't control the source, which is, yeah. which is one, of the more, one of the more difficult parts. You don't control the, 
engine powering it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's not an uh, talking to you and and talking to people who have run their own client services business. It just I just I couldn't see the potential for myself. And um, they spend a lot of time on process. Do you spend a lot of time on process? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, maybe other people in the on the team would argue that that's not true, but I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think so. I um, I really want everything to stay out of the way of. Yeah. I mean, my ideal week is not talking to anybody, not dealing with any <laughs> problems or clients, but just coding. You know, just getting yeah. uh, getting a big chunk of work out of the way, getting you know beyond a certain point in a project. That's what really feels good to me, and anything that's an impediment to that, yeah, for me or the team, uh, that's got to go, man. Um, meetings, forget it. Conference calls, forget it. That's meetings are the worst. I, I, that's all nonsense. Yeah. Um, but you do have to communicate. Find some way to do it. I mean, instant messengers are great. Just have a very short conversation, solve the problem, get through the issue, whatever, and get back to coding. Uh, yeah. Get back to designing, whatever that may be. Um. You and I could talk forever, obviously. Hit the <laughs> hour mark plus some. I want to be mindful of people listening to this. They have other things to do besides listen to you and I chat. They're asleep by now. We can keep talking. Oh, okay. Well, give, let's do it. Um, well, Kenny, thanks, really. Thanks for making time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks for being my friend. Oh, it's a pleasure. All right. Take care, man. Bye.